Blog Talk Radio. South Shaolin, the classified elements, we here now, to all you fruit loop, color candy, white, peanut butter and jelly, cool ass niggas, you best duck and rough for cover, yeah, 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 yo, into the temple gates, cross the fiery lakes, for witness to torture souls, and plant upon burning stakes, ascend the terabums, raising hell to reach heaven gates, fire bombing cathedrals when I switch my car to stay, regard the animal, from animal back to to storm these truths like WD Farad To raise a nation that's indispensable Indivisible, based on principle related to digital Outputs to outlooks, temperatures rise in As the sun of righteousness gives spiritual guidance In the lion's den, the phoenix arrives in Spitting bars for wars, through the belt of Orion With the eye to Hootie, these faggot devils can't fool me The phallus gave porn and digesting the pig's booty The sin is the wickedness, lost in the wilderness We're never at here to just go ahead and slit your wrist The black card exists What devils try to exit Living their planet crisis Until destroyed by ISIS In the pit of demons I'm ancient chemist dreaming Converting satanic hordes With the beta semen Sword swinging Decapitator Parable addicted Crystal wand mystic Keeping global drinks When I'm lifted I'm Melchizedek Moving through 50 states Only transmogists With the gods I relate Mental alchemists Watch love conquer hate I emanate golden rays Above my head it's a figure eight. I'm El Chesedick, moving through 50 states. Early Trismagist, with the gods I relate. Mental alchemists, watch love conquer hate. I emanate golden rays above my head to figure eight. In a devil's head, severed on a dinner plate. Before the throne of God, all devils will meet the fate. Below the mason dick, surrounds the future great. Imperial, ethereal, sound the trumpets through the stereo. Murders with mics, that's why I scratch off the cereal. Reverse creation, send you back to some minerals. South Shaolin, double MC is the abbot. More rich be the nation, black man's land, we gotta have it. Restore the throne. I'd rather kick the savage When disaster strikes, actual facts he can't manage A fool's on deck, sink ships like Titanic Spread a fear across the land, causing a justified panic Amongst the brain-dead zombies, grab the spits of bandits While these wicked overseas collect residuals in their hammock Corporate folks forever remain rancid Poisoning to the mind, inflicting subconscious damage I'm Melchizedek, moving through 50 states Only transmitters, with their gods I relate Mental alchemists, watch love conquer hate I am in a golden rays above my head to figure eight I'm Melchizedek, moving through 50 states Hermie transmitters, with their gods I relate Mental alchemists, watch love conquer hate I am in a golden rays above my head to figure eight Return of the Ancient One, the Moorish Naga, the Dragon Rider, or breathing fire, generator, operator, destroyer, a self lord and master, instructor, a Kama Sutra, practicing Tantra, a Kriya Yoga, a Kutalini, the Resurrector, Shishuna, the Eater, Pingala, awaken the seven chakra to come to Avatar, Muhammad the Conqueror, putting swords to your juggler, senior to the ether, the water, air, fire, bender, the earth ruler, usher in the new era. In the saga, eyes filled with terror, every sound of horror, reflection crack mirrors, minds made feeble, dreams crumble, the curse tremble, thieves in the temple, raise the mental, beyond the four devils, you whack motherfuckers, you know what I'm saying, all you goddamn cool niggas out there, you know what I'm saying, they was trying to put that fucking rope around them goddamn throats, you know what I'm saying, cause you didn't, you didn't all this goddamn hip hop, that's why hip hop dead motherfuckers. Yeah, cool, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> bees, bees. How did y'all like that? That was all right, wasn't it? But it's the truth, though. Yeah, this is Brother Fahim L. Bay filling in for Dr. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This is Brother Fahim filling in for uh, Dr. Aleem L. Bay for the night. And I'll be your host for the night. And uh, the topic will be nationalism and sovereignty. Okay? Dealing with history also. And dealing with also a lot of the nonsense that's still going on out here. You know, always a mess. I was talking to a brother earlier today. Well, not just a few minutes ago. And he was talking about, uh, he was saw something on YouTube about some European was looking at the Omec heads. And he was saying that, uh, made a remark that, yeah, one of them heads, look, I look like just one I wanted him. No, he lying, you know. I said, I wish he'd have told me some mess like that. I'd have got all over. You know, like but the, like uh, like my, my brother and friend said earlier, you know, hey, what what we put down, our enemies will pick up and use. You know, what we leave behind, our enemies will pick up and get power, get powerful. Okay? Yeah. You know, so dealing with... Uh, uh, probably dealing with a little, a little bit some of the uh, some of the stuff I left off at the last time at the Blog Talk Show at the First World Order uh, last week. On a little something different. Uh, I would, you know, you hear a lot about how history tried to identify uh, so-called black people with slavery, and you know, slavery really. The term slave don't really apply to us. It applies to the Europeans, the Yugoslavians and Czechoslovakians, the Slavic people, Slavs. That's where the word actually comes from, and that's what the word actually applies to, Eastern Europeans, to the Eastern European people and not us. But they always try to uh, identify uh, uh, the word slave to our uh to our ancestors because if you really really know the whole truth about it they always talking about uh, certain relics of slavery like today I saw on the news uh, they suppose had found a slave ship do you believe it now do you believe this a slave ship they both have found on the Mississippi River uh, a river by Alabama or Alabama and they said that it, it 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 was this European was saying yeah it uh, it's the exact replica it's the exact make of what a uh, slave ship would look like you know how it was built but the the, answer, the real answer lies down beneath the mud of the rip, rip, uh, Mississippi River you know but I'm like this you know I said that could be you know possible but I doubt it. You know, they had many ships. You know, they want to keep on, they want to keep on uh, holding on to that lie that uh, most of us came from Africa on slave ships. Very, very, very few of us came on slave ships from Africa. That's the truth. Eighty-five to ninety percent of us was already here 
probably as far back as a million or millions of years ago. Like I said, they even found a shoe print. If you look at the book uh, Forbidden Archaeology by Michael Cremore, and uh, you see that uh, they even, uh, the archaeologists have found a shoe print in Missouri Territory. That's over 250 million years ago. A shoe print, not a footprint, a shoe print. Peep that. So this is a lot, a lot of the nonsense that's still going on. A lot of the nonsense I'm still, people like me, myself, Arlene, Kadira, uh, Sister Raj, uh, Taj Tariq Bay, Abdullah Ilkali, Mosi Bay, Nature Bay, Sabir, all of us trying to clear up, you know, trying to clean a lot of this mess up. So, so that's what we're here for, to clear this mess up, to set the record straight. You know, uh, they, the ship was by this town in Alabama. Uh, it was called, the town was called African Town. You know, you know they have a few towns in uh, uh America, the U.S. America, called African Town. But have you noticed? Really, uh, to really tell you the truth about it, uh, most people from any of those African nations they ever settled here today, uh, or even back then, they will never use that term African Town. They will use the term wherever country where they came from. They would say uh, they came from Angola. They would call it Angola Town. If they came from Uganda, they would say Uganda Town. If they came from uh, Guinea, they would say Guinea Town. If they came from Gambia, they would say Gambia Town. They would never use the African continent, the name of the continent. continent. They would never do that. Very rarely they'll even uh, call themselves Africans. As I explained, uh, I explained all these, all this to you last week. They identify themselves with their countries, their nations, and their tribal nations identify with their tribal nations and the language that their tribal languages speak. Never will you ever hear them talking about they are black Africans or black this or black that. Even uh, even the Europeans, the Europeans uh, here in America, the foreigners, they would never, the foreigners, the European foreigners would never say, uh, call a town or a city or, or whatever, European town. They would never say that. They use the term maybe Little Italy, German town. Dutch town, Russia town, something like that along that order. They'll never use the, the name of their continent first. Same thing with Asia. The Asians will, over here will call them will call, uh, call their little sections like Chinatown, Koreatown, and so forth. This is a lot of the, uh, uh, you, you cannot name yourself after a continent. It has to be a nation. It has to be your nationality. 
Okay. Yeah, so this is a lot of the nonsense that's still going on. And also uh, things about, like I say, about getting back to slavery, the things they're saying about how they like to identify our people with slavery all the time. And but they never will teach this in your schools, your grade schools, your high schools, across the Union States of America. They, ne- they will never do that. And we all, all know the reason for that because they don't want anybody to know the truth. They have a hard time dealing with the truth. They have a problem with that. They have a big issue with that. And the truth of the matter is that the first slaves that would, oh, what came over here, the first slaves, was Europeans. Or to be exact, to be exact Irish and Welsh and English people from the British Isles of the United Kingdom. They were the very, very, very first slaves that came over here that were in bondage, believe it or not. They used to say in this old TV program, believe it or not. And Ripley's believe it or not, but I'm saying uh, believe it or not. And guess who were the first blacks, uh, not black, but very, very first slave master, a so-called black man from Angola, believe it or not. He was the first slave in America, or in North Central America, as, as I may add, to be, give you the exact geographical location, because that's where we at, North Central America. I'm going to read something here from this book called White Cargo. It's by Don Jordan and Michael Walsh. It says here, White Cargo, The Forgotten History of Britain's White Slaves in America. Hmm. In the shadow of the myth, slavery, there can have, there can, they can have everywhere. It is a weed that grows in every soil by Edmund Burke. Here's another paragraph. That man who is the property of another is a mere shadow, though he continue a man. Aristotle. Okay. It says here, in the summer of 203, Archaeologists excavated a 17th century site outside of Annapolis, Maryland, and discovered the skeleton of a teenage boy. Examination showed the boy to have died sometime in the 1660s. He was about 16 years old and had tuberculosis. His skull showed evidence of a fearful mouth infection and a herniated disc, and other injuries to his back were synonymous with years of hard toil. This youth was neither African nor Native American. He was Northern European, probably probably English. His remains were found in what had been the cellar of a 17th century house in the hole 
under a pile of household waste. It was as if the boy was of so little account that after he died, he was thrown out with the rubbish. This is a 17th century house they're talking about, okay? And I'm going to stop right here. You know, people are always talking about the horrors of slavery and uh, how much slavery has been put upon our people. But what they don't know is that uh, we enslaved them first. We enslaved the European or so-called white people first. Yes, we've done that. And then we start, and then uh, you had a lot of their own people enslaving them, like we enslaved our own people. It had nothing to do with actually with so-called color. That's a lot of people try to put, you know, try to, uh, 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 try to say, you know, that's not true. It had a lot to do with wealth and profit and money at that time. Because at that time they had real money. Gold and silver. So let me go on. Like I said, like I said, it says here, it says here, the forgotten history of Britain's white slaves in America. This is a British corporation, slave corporation that enslaved their people. Let me go on here. Okay. The forensic anthropologists believe the youth was probably an indentured servant, deceptively mild-labeled, commonly used to describe hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children shipped from Britain to America and the Caribbean in the 150 years before the Boston Tea Party in 1770. Most of these servants paid their passage to the Americas by selling the rights to their labor for a number of years. Others were forcibly exiled and sold in the colonies as servants for up to 14 years. Many were effectively enslaved. While the Spanish slaughtered in America for gold, the English in America had to plant for their wealth, failing to find the the expected mineral riches along the richest seaboard. They turned to farming, hoping to make gold from tobacco. They needed a compliant subservient, preferably free labor force. And since the indigenous people of America were difficult to enslave, they turned to their own homeland to provide. And who was the indigenous people? We were. And still are the aboriginal indigenous people of this country. They imported Britain. They imported Britain's deemed to be surplus people, the ruthless, the unemployed, the criminal, and the descendant, and held them in the Americas in various forms of bondage for anything for three years to life. This book tells the story of these victims of empire. They were all supposed to gain their freedom eventually. For many, it didn't work out that way. In the early decades, half of them died in bondage. 
This book tracks the evolution of the system in which tens of thousands of so-called whites were held as chattels, marketed like cattle, punished brutally, in some cases literally worked to death. For decades, their underclass was treated just as savage as so-called black slaves, and indeed toiled, suffered, and rebelled alongside them. Eventually, a racial wedge was thrust between so-called white and black, leaving blacks officially enslaved and whites apparently upgraded, but in reality just as enslaved as they were before. According to contemporaries, some so-called whites were treated with less humanity than the blacks working alongside them. Believe it or not, this is documented evidence. This is, uh, has been uh, written down, copied, recorded, and this is all this has been documented. You know, these these are records. No, this is not some propaganda I'm reading to you. These things actually happen. And the reason why I'm reading these things off to you because a lot of our people love to plan the innocent and the victim role game. But I'm here to tell you we are not the victims and we are not innocent. I think I told, if I can remember, I think I told uh, on the First World Order Blog Talk show, I, I, I have uh, said this before. And the reason why I'm saying this again, because they're always trying to identify slavery with our people. Why their people were the first slaves. And yes, we enslaved them first. Yes, we did. We committed a lot of brutal acts against the European people. Therefore, they turned around and enslaved us. Therefore, we had to pay off that karmic debt. That was that karmic debt we had to pay. Now the debt is paid. Now we need to move on and start building up a nation. All right. Let me move along here. Among the first to be sent were children. Some were dispatched by impoverished parents seeking a better life for them, but others were forcibly deported. In 1618, the authorities in London began to sweep up hundreds of troublesome urchins from the slums and, ignoring protests from the children and their families, shipped them to Virginia. English, richest England's richest man was behind the mass exposure. It was presented as an act of charity. The starving children were to be given a new start of apprentices in America. In fact, they were sold to planters to work in the fields, and half of them were dead within a year. Shipments of children continued from England and then from Iceland. For decades, many of these migrants were little more than toddlers. In 1661, the wife of a man who imported four Irish boys into Maryland as servants wondered why her husband had not brought some cradles to have rocked them in as they were so little. Crazy, ain't it? Yes, 
okay, a second group of forced migrants from the mother country were those such as vagrants and petty criminals whom England's rulers wished to be rid of. I'm going to stop right here. See, these these uh, 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 vagrants and petty criminals, uh, that's who uh, owned them. They want to get, away, get rid of them, not only from England, from all over Europe. Came from the bowels of Europe. They came from the worst of the worst of low life where they came from. Same thing with the Australians and the New Zealanders. The same way, the same thing. They were they were dumped here. Most of them were. They will come with you with this BS story about a lot of them being pilgrims and 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 they were being uh, such benevolent Christians and all that. I can tell you nothing is further from the truth. The vast majority of them were criminals, robbers, murderers, rapists. You name it. All right. The legal ground was prepared for their relocation by a highwayman termed Lord Chief Justice who argued for England's goals to be emptied in America. Thanks to men like him, 550,000 and 70,000 convicts, or maybe more, were transported to England, or I mean, transported, transported to Virginia, Maryland, Barbados, and England's other America, Americans' possessions before 1776. All manner of others considered undesirable by the British Crown were also dispatched across the Atlantic to be sold into servitude. They ranged from beggars to prostitutes, Quakers to cavaliers. A third group were the Irish. For centuries, Ireland had been something of a special case in England, colonial history, from the England Norman onwards. From the England from, from the Anglo I'm sorry, from the Anglo Normans onwards, the Irish were dehumanized, described as savages. So making their murder and displacement appear all the more justified. Colonization of Ireland provided experience and drive for experiment. Experiments for further afield, not to mention large numbers of workers, coerced, transported, or persuaded. Under Oliver Cromwell's ethnic cleansing policy in Ireland, unknown numbers of Catholic men, women, and children were forcibly transported to the colonies. And it did not end with Cromwell for at least another hundred years. Force. Transportation continued as a fact of life in Ireland. The Irish, uh, those, those of you that know something about so-called white slavery, uh, they are the Irish, also known as green niggers. Green niggers. What well, the Irish also known as and, uh, and still known as today. Okay, the other unwilling participants in the colonial labor force were the kidnapped. 
as I explained to you, and I think I gave the uh, gave a lecture on the so-called white slavery before about a year ago. Uh, kidnapped, I mean, is nabbed or kidnapped, and where kidnapped come from? That's where the word kidnapped come from. Kidnapped. All right. Astounding numbers are reported to have been snatched from the streets and countryside by gangs of kidnappers or spirits working to satisfy the colonial hunger for labor based at every sizable port in the British Isles. Spirits coined or coerced the unwary into ships bound for America. London's most active London's most active uh, kidnap gang discussed their targets at a daily meeting at St. Paul's Cathedral. They were reportedly paid uh, $2 by planners' agents for every athletic-looking young man they brought aboard, according to a contemporary who campaigned the black slave trade, kidnappers were snatching an average of around 10,000 whites a year. Hear what I said? I'm going to read this again. According to a contemporary who campaigned against the so-called black slave trade, kidnappers were snatching an average of around 10,000 so-called whites a year. Add that up. That's well over 100,000. Or you can say 120,000. Okay, doubtless an exaggeration, but one that indicates a problem serious enough to create its own grip on the popular mind. Along with the vast numbers ejected from Britain and forced to slave in the colonies was the still greater multitudes who went of their own free will, those who became indentured servants in the Americas in return for free passage and perhaps the promise of a plot of land. Between 1620 and 1775, they were volunteer servants, some 300,000 accounted for two or three migrants from the British Isles. See, for one thing, let's stop right here again. For one thing, uh, during the Civil War period, there wasn't that many so-called blacks that were slaves. Not that many. A lot of there were a lot of so-called whites that were slaves, even during the Civil War period. If you don't believe me, you can read the book. Uh, there were whites and there were slaves, uh, but the author name is Michael Hoffman II. He explained that in his book. There were whites and there were slaves by Michael A. Hoffman II. Uh, I was on YouTube one time, and I was listening to the, these were. Uh, <clears throat> These were uh, U- uh, European uh, Southern. Uh, they were reenactment of a Civil War uh, battle, and, and during their interview, this one uh, European uh, uh, Southerner was saying that uh, during the Civil War, nearly a half a million uh, so-called black people weren't even slaves at that time during that period, and never were slaves. A lot of them had joined the Confederate Army. 
and fought side by side along with their so-called white uh, counterparts. Uh, why did they do that? Because they had land. And the real purpose of that civil war was to do away with a lot of the sovereignty that the Moors had in the South. They wanted to do away with. And they knew not only Moors owned Moors, but Moors also owned European slaves as well, which is heavily, heavily, heavily suppressed in your history classes across the country and will never be taught in our schools. Our children in our grade schools and high schools will never be taught none of this, what I'm reading to you tonight. Never. Typically, typically, these free willers, as they came to be called, were the poor and the hopeful who agreed to sacrifice their personal liberty for a period of years in the eventual hope of a better life. On arrival, they found that they had the status of chattels, objects of personal property, with the few effective rights, but there was, there was no going back. They were stuck like the tar on the heels of the ships that brought them. Some, of some of course, were bought by humane, even generous masters and survived their years of bondage and quite happily to emerge from servitude to build a prosperous future. But some of the most abused servants were, for among of the free willers, it invites the uproar to describe as slaves any of the hapless so-called whites who were abused, beaten, and sometimes killed by their masters or their masters overseers. To do so is thought of to detract from the enormity of so-called black suffering after racial slavery developed. However, black slavery emerged out of the so-called white servitude and was based upon it. As the so-called African-American writer Lerone Bennett Jr. has observed, when someone removes the cataracts of uh, whiteness from our eyes and when we look with the uh, unclouded vision on the bloody shadows of the American past, we will recognize for the first time that the Afro-Americans who were so often second in freedom was also second in slavery. You didn't hear that. You didn't hear me. I'm going to read this over again. I, don't, I didn't get that what I just said. I'm going to read this again. When someone removes the cataracts of whiteness from our eyes, and when we look with unclouded vision on the bloody shadows of the American past, we will recognize for the first time that the Afro-Americans, who were so often second in freedom, was also second in slavery. So what is he talking about? What was, what was LeVon Bennett Jr. talking about? They enslaved so-called white people first. They were the first slaves. They were the first people that really to get brutalized by us and by their own people. Let me move along. Of course, so-called black slavery had hidden the aspects 
all that uh, all that whites did uh, did not experience, but they suffered horrors in common, many of which were first endured by. Read this again. Of course, black slavery had hideous aspects that whites did not experience, but they suffered horrors in common, many of which were first endured by whites, or so-called whites. Okay? You get that. In crude economic terms, indentured servants sold their labor for a set period of time. In reality, they sold themselves. They discovered that they were placed under the power of masters who had more or less total control over their destiny. The indigenous service system evolved into slavery because of the economic goals of early colonists. It was designed not so much to help would-be migrants get to America and the Caribbean as to provide a cheap and compliant workforce for I mean, a compliant, I'm sorry, a cheap and compliant workforce for the cash crop industry. Once this was established to keep their workforce in check, it became necessary to create legal sanctions that include violence and physical restraint. This is what led to the slavery for the first Europeans, then for the Moors. See, most what a lot of them uh, probably don't know about their own history. Some of them do. But a lot of them don't know that they came over here as a denture servants. Some of them came over here, like we said in the book, on their own free will and accord. Some of them came over here by force and coercion. Most of them came over here by force and coercion. Most of them did. Most of them came over here as indentured servant slaves. And yes, we dogged them out too. Dogged them out. That's what I'm saying. We need to stop playing as a victim role. We are not innocent and we are not victims. Okay? Let me move it along. Move it along. It has been argued that a so-called white servants could not have been truly enslaved because they, they uh, because there was generally a time limit to their enforced labor, whereas so-called black slavery was for life. However, slavery is not defined by time but by the experience of a subject. To be the chattel of another, to be required by law to give absolute obedience in everything and to be subject to whippings, brandings, and shaming for any show of defiance to be these things as were many whites were sold to be enslaved. Daniel Defoe, writing in the early 1700s, described indigenous servants as more properly called slaves. Taking his cue, we could call a slave a slave. How many of those uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start using the word black and white indiscriminately, okay? Because that's the way it's been in this book, but that's not the way I talk, okay? <laughs> All right. So excuse me, bear with me. How many of those whites who migrated from Britain were subject to the abuses we associated with slavery? 
100,000, 200,000, 300,000. It is impossible to know. No one did compile, nor could they have compiled such statistics. All we can be sure of it is that the numbers were considerable. Time and again, the evidence shows this is to be the case. Too many white servants ran from their masters. Too many instances of ill treatment surfaced, and there were too many damaging admissions throughout the years of British rule for white slavery to be a rarity or a localized aberration that was quickly corrected. In 1663, about the time, the wretched 16-year-old buried in that Annapolis cellar breathed his last, the Virginia Assembly warned that the barbarous usage of some servants by cruel masters was giving the colonies such a bad name that immigrants would stop coming voluntarily as the cases in this book confirm that barbarous usage was widespread and prolonged on the American mainland and in Britain's Caribbean colonies. Throughout the colonial period, those who were sold into servitude or who sold themselves as servants formed the majority of immigrants. What did I tell you before? The majority of immigrants. Read this again. So I want you because I want you to, I want I want our people to know their history, their so-called American history. Okay. Throughout the colonial period, those who were sold into servitude or who sold themselves as servants formed the majority of immigrants, but they have often had short shrift from historians. In the words of the social historian Gary B. Nash. Most depictions of early America as a garden of opportunity airbrush and ditches service out of the picture while focusing on the minority who arrived free. On the minority, meaning there are very few pens uh, that they talk about on your history books and your history movies before the revolution, the colonial eras, and all that good stuff. There were only a very, very, very few of those kind of Europeans that they always tell you about. Okay? But I'm telling you about the vast, vast, vast majority of Europeans. Most of them were slaves. A lot of those Confederate soldiers that fought on the South in the Civil War were slaves. The vast majority of the European Southerners never even saw a slave, let alone own one. Everybody always talking about the Confederate flag. It represents tyranny. It represents uh, so-called racism. No, it does not. First of all, it's not a flag. It's a banner. As I said before, and and. Many times, uh, 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 many First World Order blog talk shows about the Confederate flag. It's a red, white, and blue, the flag of amity and commerce, the flag what they call the American flag, which is not the American flag. It's a flag, the stars and stripes is a, is a flag of amity and commerce. 
Confederate flag is the Confederate flag of the Southern of the Southern Republic. And if you will study the flag very closely, the flag is have also have a red, white, and blue, and they have thirteen stars. Thirteen stars. But the Confederate States of America only had eleven states. So where did the thirteen stars come from? What were they talking about? The number thirteen in occult science and Moorish science represents new beginning. It represents a re-emerging to be born again. The number 13. You had 13 colonies during the Revolutionary War. colonies reborn. You had what they call the St. Andrew's Cross. But actually, if you go back further back, even further, 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 further back in the ancient Egyptian mysteries, or some people may call Hikupta, the cross actually is the cross of resurrection. They were resurrecting the 13 colonies again being resurrected. Let me move along here. I hope everybody got that. Okay. A creation myth was flourished in which early American settlers are portrayed as free men and women who created a democratic and egalitarian model society more or less from scratch. That's the story you get in your history books, in your movies. That is the lie you get, how these so-called white people came to America. Okay, let me move along, but far from the truth, okay? The truth could not be more different. Get that right. The freedoms of modern American society evolved only gradually from enforced labor and penal servitude. Many of those instrumental in planning the earliest colonies were, like the reputedly richest man in Elizabethan England, Sir Thomas Smith, ruthless and oblivious to the misery they caused. They were nonetheless often men of vision and extraordinary wrestlings. The tale of the so-called white slave trade unfolds through their exuberant lives, no less than through those who were their victims. (coughs) European slavery in early America is contained within two centuries and between three continents, from the tiny band of Englishmen who established Jamestown in 1607, Jamestown, named after King James, okay, the first of England, all right, to the slave ports of Africa, and finally to the Captain Cook, feeling his way along the shores of what to become 
New South Wales in 1770. Because Virginia at that time was called the Virginia Company. That was uh, uh, dealing with the companies like India Company in India, which they were dealing with the drug trafficking. The Virginia Company was dealing with a lot of slave trafficking, human trafficking. Okay. To the slave ports of Africa and finally to the Captain Cook pulling his way along the shore of uh, what what was to become New South Wales in 1770. The, seven, the 1607 expedition that laid the foundations for English settlement in America when American independence closed the mainland colonies to the dumping of convicts and undesirables. <clears throat> Australia provided a new penal colony, colony as I explained earlier before I came to this uh, part of this book. Okay. And between the stream of humanity flowed a vast killing across the Atlantic but has since been diverted from its place in the histories of the British Empire and of the United States. As soon as the new nation of America was born, it became commonplace to deny the central part played in its establishment by key sections of founding fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters. Those who choose to ignore the place of both the villain and the ill used in this new century's History included contemporary apologists whose motivation was to create both social cohesion and status. In Virginia, the old dominion where ideals of freedom flourished and where America's aristocracy was rooted, it was unacceptable for jailbirds to be discovered lurking in the family tree. Just ten years after the Declaration of Independence, this was what Thomas Jefferson wrote about convicts. The male factors sent to America was not sufficient in number to merit enumeration as one class out of three which people America. I do not think the whole number sent would amount to 2,000, and being principally men eaten up with disease, they married seldom and propagated little. I did not suppose that themselves and their descendants are a present and 4,000, which is a little more than 1,000, part of the whole inhabitants. In fact, the time of the Declaration, nearly 1,000 convicts a year were being dumped in America, mostly in Maryland and Virginia. A convict Dealer intimidated that in uh, intimidated that in the 1700s more than 30,000 convicts have been sold in Maryland alone. This was in the 1700s. The numbers of convicts and their descendants in the period when Jefferson was was writing was writing were not he would have it at 1,000 part of the whole inhabitants, but in reality the much more significant one in a hundred. However, they continue to be those who deny the large-scale dumping of the vicious, the unredeemable, the wicked, and the plain unlucky had gone in on anything like either the numbers 
or over the period that we know occurred. Sidney George Fisher, writing in 1898, claimed that Virginia had avoided convicts, paupers, and inferior nationalities. The very different reality has been exposed by the pioneering work of leading American historians such as Edmund S. Morgan, David S. Gellison, and A. Roger Urquhart. Nevertheless, right, <clears throat> nevertheless, right to the present day, many Americans have difficulty reconciling themselves to the true nature of their of their uh, of their uh, sorry of their descendants. The truth is that in Virginia, a Maryland. And um, the truth is, in Virginia and Maryland, a significant portion of the early settlers was was composed of convicts. The fact that wealth and nobility could grow from such material is a testimony not to the importance of the bloodstock, blood but to social evolution. This book features some of the great names of American history who were the masters of white slavery or white slaves as well as black. It tracks the ruthless kingpins of the so-called white servant trade who bought and sold their human wares, sometimes disguising convicts as regular servants, sometimes hawking servants from the settlement to settlement. And it tells the stories of those they sold and of those who sold themselves. Some refused to be victims and fought the system by running away, by rebellion, even by murder. Many others succumb to disease or exploitation or to attack from uh, Native Americans. Some thrive and lay down their roots. The book has mainly been designed along simple or chronological lines here and there. However, the reader will discover occasional discretion on sidesteps to take a close look at a particular field of inquiry. We have all we have chosen to limit that what would otherwise be quite a lengthy work to describing what occurred in a small but important group of geographic areas. We concentrate on Virginia and Maryland, for example, where the indentured service system was created and where to and where its poisonous bloom flowered most widely. The very many colonies in the Caribbean are largely ignored in favor of dealing in detail with Barbados, so providing a clear account of one important colony unencumbered by multitudes of original variations. We hope that this uh, approach also helps to clarify the defining difference between the enterprise carried out on the Sugar Islands and the colonization of the American mainland, Broadly, the primary purpose of the settlements on Caribbean islands was to make money. This was little. This was little thought of. This was little thought of empire. This. This. I mean, there was little thought of empire. This role fell to the enterprises in Americas, where profit and empire building went hand in hand, and the great open spaces of America. Indigenous servants were theoretically expected to survive bondage and prosper in a growing society on the island of Barbados. Free workers became an embarrassment. The Oxford Dictionary defines as slaves persons who are the 
legal property of another or others and bound to absolute obedience. In short, human chattels. By definition, white servants were the first slaves in America, and it's upon their labor and later uh, that of the African-American slaves that the nation was initially built. Today, tens of millions of so-called white Americans are descended from such chattels. I'll read this again. I'm going to again, read this again so everybody hear me clearly. Today, tens of millions of white Americans are descended from such chattels. It is a shame that few in America claim these largely forgotten men and women of their early frontier as their own. I hope everybody got that. Yeah, this is this is this is your real history. This is your real history that they always talk about. They always talking about he got uh, tomorrow will be so-called Black History Month. I look at it as a joke. A lot of us that are who are uh, <clears throat> conscious enough to look at it look at it as a joke. Also, it's a joke. Black history or Negro history, as I'd say, you know, because black and Negro are both synonymous terms. You're just saying Negro. You, you when you're saying black, you're just saying Negro in English. As we all know, Negro means. As I told you before and before, Negro means black. In the Latin, they are what is known as Spanish today. Dealing with the uh, indigenous history of our people, uh, We must uh, continuously to study and do a lot of research on our history, on who we are and who our ancestors were as part of the human family. We had some of us that were pretty good people and some of us were pretty well benevolent people. And you have others, others that were not so benevolent. And I try to get a lot of our people to understand that all of our ancestors were not benevolent people. No, they were not. A lot of us, like I said, we enslaved our own people as well as other people. And I say again, but you'll never hear us, hear, I mean, hear them teaching about that in our schools across the country that our people enslaved. They're not going to teach you that. They're not going to teach you that so-called white people were the first slaves over here and the first that were brutalized in the most inhumane conditions. 
okay? I'm going to read a little bit of something from right when rocks cry out. And it says here, dealing with our history, okay? It says here, no ear for the common tongue. I have located ancient Egyptian histories that seem to provide a written record of Egypt's knowledge of the West and the Americas. A great double staircase had provided a pathway to the discovery. Several weeks after sending some of the findings to Princeton University for review and criticism, I saw centuries-old illustrations that depicted black-skinned Aztecs meeting Cortes when he arrived at the Aztec capital. Those of you know that the Aztec, the, the nation, the Aztec nation, those are us. And as I say, uh, I told you earlier, a friend of mine was telling me that uh, uh, he saw something on YouTube where this European was saying uh, a remark, I mean, he was remarking about the uh, the Olmec head sculptures. He said one of them, he looked like one of them. You know, so that goes to show you what we put down, they will they will uh, pick up. And enough of us need to wake up. Enough of us are due. So, can re- so we can really find out who we really, really, really are as a nation of people. We'll start letting people steal our birthright from us. Because they will take it and they will steal it from you, brother. Why you still calling yourselves black, Negro, colored, people of color, African Americans, Afro Americans, and all these other nonsensical brand names? Okay, let me go on here. The illustration was published in 1724 on a front page of Antonio de Solis, History of the Conquest of Mexico. The artist had allowed the buildings in the illustration to be Moorish in design, and he had allowed all but one of the Aztecs to be black-skinned. He or someone had lightened considerably the complexion of the Mechazoma. So you birthright them. What he's saying, somebody had uh, brightened the skins of the Aztecs. Because at first, they were very, very, very dark people. Those to show you that these people are constantly trying to steal our birthright. Because they want uh, they want to have their inheritance to this land. And the more and more you keep on, uh, especially you people that are calling yourselves indigenous and aboriginal indigenous, uh, the, 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 the American Aboriginal Son and Africans and Ain't Africans programs on YouTube keep on talking about y'all not Moors, y'all indigenous and aborigines, but you don't know what the word more means actually. Because when you see it, you, when you, every time when you say you're not a Moor, what more means the land, means you are the land and the waters and lakes and rivers and hills and mountains of the land. And more you keep on saying you're not a more, you're saying you're not the land. And the waters of the land that you uh, preside on, but you call yourself indigenous and aborigine. You just stop with that stupid nonsense talking that you're talking. 
and I hope you hear me. As I said before, you want to talk to me about it, my phone number is 314-644-4425. That's, I repeat, 314-644-4425. Give me a call, and we'll talk about it. Come on with it. You know what I'm talking about. Now, with so keen an understanding about the Aztec buildings being Moorish in design, the artist should have been familiar with the Carquiscadors, other descriptions which said Mechazoma was a man of middling size, thin, and of a very dark complexion. I telephoned the professor at Princeton who had sent me a courteous response about the Aztec's findings. He had written, I hope that you have success in publishing deserves a public hearing and critical discussion. But I don't think the color issue is persuasive. An early copy of Solis book showing that Black Aztecs was in the rare books library at Princeton. I sent a note to the professor urging him to see the historical illustrate illustration of the black Aztecs to his anniversary. I mean here to his university. I'm sorry. I had assumed that the Spaniards clear description of the Aztecs, including the description Black Baby, would bring the true African images of the Aztecs into view. I was wrong. There was a mental blockage even within the imaginations of many African Americans. Like I said before, I'm just reading out of the book, uh, how the book's been written. This is not how I talk. I don't I don't say African Americans, black, Negro, none of that crazy mess, okay? I'm getting this out of the book, so bear with me. Beyond the solace illustration I have seen uh pre Columbian Columbian uh Clint Columbian uh I'm sorry. I have seen the same ancient Olmec stone heads from Mexico. They showed African features on these original Mexicans who had followed Meca or Michi. I had set the uh, pre-Columbian images of the Aztec of the Aztec deities with their black African features. I had fa- failed to consider that the Spaniards' written descriptions of the Aztecs as Africans would not be strong enough to erase the straight-haired images of Indians painted in the modern imaginations about the Aztecs. See what he said? I'll read this again. I had failed to consider that the Spaniards' written descriptions of the Aztecs as Africans could not be strong enough to erase the straight-haired Images of Indians painted in modern imaginations about the Aztecs. They don't want to say that we had the the original Aztecs had woolly hair. They don't want to say that. They don't want to say they want to say that they look look like the Indians that they show you today on the Western cowboy movies. Okay, how could I get these forbidden histories known? 
I gather the discoveries pulled over them to determine the clearest discoveries, and when I call the local newspaper, the Fourth Bird Star Telegram, and ask for the editorial writer who spoke with me occasionally. I didn't know him personally, nor even well enough to guess who he would react to this kind of news. He would impress me a being intelligent, able to make unbiased judgments on the facts. He was African-American. You have what? He, he, he queried, more as a punctuation of astonishment than as a question. If you have what you say you have, that will, that will need that will need something bigger than my column. Let me talk to someone on, on the news desk. He paused. I tried to imagine the question that were going through his mind. There was no way that I could prove the, the discovery in a short phone call. What single piece of proof could I give that would convince someone of what I have found? Before I could assemble an answer to my question, the writer's voice vibrated through the receiver. There there that's an awesome discovery if that pass, that pans out he he said more serious than before his voice was not encouraging i felt anxiety rising because of his words he said something else that i do not remember and then he hung up leaving me wondering whether another phone call would come after a day passed with no phone calls from the star telegram i tell i telephone bill record Record's age and experience has settled him into an executive public relations, relations position with the newspaper. He had met me t- 20 years earlier when he recruited me for a journalism scholarship awarded by his newspaper. Record, inform, record informed me that he was no longer in a position to make decisions regarding which stories would be printed, but he, but he told me that he would talk with one of the editors. Two days later, a Star Telegram writer called me. He wanted he wanted to know if anyone reputable had seen the findings. Has anybody like a professor or somebody knowledgeable in history seen your work? He asked. My memory came alive. My memory came alive. One of the administrators at the university where I worked had given the same query. She said nothing would happen within the findings unless I found someone with a Ph.D. to argue for the discovery. Who are you, she, she had mocked. You are nobody. You don't have a Ph.D. in the field. Nobody will give you the time of day. I thought she was being snobbish. I knew she had a doctorate degree or a Ph.D. in, in a field unrelated to history. I decided that she just don't know the extent of the proof that existed for the discoveries. I was sure everybody would want to know this. Months later, I would realize I was like, how wrong I was. The reporter voice slapped me back to reality. You call me back when you have someone with knowledge about that subject, someone who is ready to support what you are saying. The reporter did not appear to be biased one or the other about the discoveries. I had refused to give the deepest details about the findings in the scholars because I reasoned that something this important and historic would be too great a temptation for theft. The reporter's comment made me reconsider giving up the discoveries, the discoveries fully. So they tried to re, uh, 
to really talk him down and make him forget all of this or what what he had discovered about the Aztecs. They want him to cease doing what he was doing, cease uh, 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 forget about all the findings that he found doing his research. And this is what a lot of people, when they do, they write these kind of books. These are the kind of things they go through. I remember uh, one uh, somebody told me that uh, even uh, Ivan Van Sertima, peace be upon him, uh, before he had did a lot of lectures in this country, country he was told he could not uh, tell or mention uh, anything about the Moors. You know, and uh, the being, you know, don't say anything much about the Moors too much. You know, when you come back, you know, and that's why he used the term black all the time, or uh, used the term Negro all the time, and especially in his book, uh, they came before Columbus. Okay, let me move along here. Okay, I'm gonna skip some of this. Okay, I have already read those. Uh, quick one. Hold up. <clears throat> he had. Uh, here we go. We had his doctorate and was Scott was a scholar, a pre-Columbian history at the university where I worked. Uh, after a long wait, he finally arrived at his office, and I was leaving. His glance at the clock on the wall warned me to, to make it fast, so I blurted out. I found the records showing that the Aztecs, who met Cortes in 1519 were probably Africans. I smirked, curved at the corners of his a, a smirk curved at the corner of his mouth, but I continue. Cortez, his secretary, and Castillo, one of his officers, described the Mechazoma as being very dark complexion. They wrote at the nation of people they found here was the was of the same complexion. That doesn't mean black, he he countered. To the Europeans, of course, they were considered dark complexion, but they were just copper tone and skin color. Then he offered the name of some books he could help me remove my misunderstandings. Of course, I have already read those. I quickly responded, noticing that it was now 5 o'clock and I had not offered the most convincing discovery. I let it out. The writings of Shahagan say in the Mexicans did not come from north or northwest from into Mexico. Shahagan wrote that they arrived by both coming from the direction of the rising sun, and they landed on the Gulf Coast of Mexico at Panutla. Even Mahazoma told Cortes that the Aztecs were not from this land, but were newcomers and foreigners who arrived by boat coming from a, a land that lay in the direction of Africa. These black Aztecs wearing clothing described as African in design and were in fact Africans. He looked away from the papers that I offered to, to him. I think you have misunderstood something in the writings, he calmly insulted. To give it up, <clears throat> I got up to go. I hope you will keep me posted on your works. His secretary was standing at the desk by the door, ready to lock up for the evening. 
I thanked him for his time and gathered, and gathered my papers. And I almost, I was almost through the large clear glass doors when I turned to face the doctor. The Spanish explorers did not say the Aztecs were brown or copper tone. They were black and very black. They were Africans. Okay. I'm through with this. But this is some of the nonsense that has been going on that people are constantly, even today, that's trying to steal our birthright. You know, and this is why it's so important that we should nationalize. Important that we should nationalize. Let's get to the place where this corporation is getting ready to fall. And we should really know who we really are. Here we go here. And I'm going to explain why a lot of things are being done to us as a people. Because we're still identifying ourselves with colors. Name brands. That is things that are not our true identity. Let me read this here. It says here, The Civil War and the U.S. Color of Law, a broad range of social and political abrasions accompanied by moral and spiritual issues and problems stem directly from the subversion and subjugation of the Moors of North America. The imposition of the brands and tags and nigger, negro, black, and colored, etc., coupled with the misguided low esteem, social, Sensitivities were designed as psychological, mental disconnects. The Civil War, political coup, suppression, and overthrowing of the original United States Constitutional Republic was successful. It neutralized the de jure and lawful Republican form of government, Societas Republics. Our Americanos, one of the first political acts initiated by the slave-holding Europeans, was to dismantle the Republican form of government and all the southern states of the Union to effectively undermine the Constitution contract which kept them in check. See, that's what the Civil War was really all about. And for those of you that think it was about slavery, you are delusional. It never was about slavery. It was about variation of things, dealing with uh, economics, state rights, and dealing with sovereignty. And it was about dismantling the last republic that they had in this country, which is the South, which the Moors in the South was flourishing. They had land, and all the Moors' uh, slave masters were not abusive. Some were, some wasn't. They had slaves. They had had a, <clears throat> their own people as slaves, but also Europeans. And this is what the northern Europeans didn't like. This is what they hated. And that's what the, the part of that civil war, what was that civil war was actually about. Let me move along here. The subverters and the conspirators amongst the occupational European colonial powers initiated the civil war on circa day 12th, April 1861 A.D. until day 9, April 
1865 to effectively establish, to stabilize the nation and to overthrow and to displace the republic. The true function of the Civil War was so artificially created to the political circumstances and atmosphere which availed the Whigamore, Whigs Party, better known as the subversive members of the White Supremacy Party, to overthrow the legitimate constitutional republic whose ancient jurisprudence principles descended down from Moorish law of the great peace. Great peace. So much emphasis has been historically put upon addressing the high levels of blood and carnage due to the Civil War that little that little is told about the hidden motives and the attendant effect of undetermining, un, I mean, undermining the Republican form of government. With few students of history are aware of the fact that through the peace and amity and commerce agreements, otherwise through and by the aboriginal sovereign moors, the United States Republic and its constitution was established. And see, this is what they are. Uh, the Civil War was actually about. This is what the Civil War was about. To overthrow the Republican, when they talk about Republican form of government, they are not talking about the Republican Party, for those who do not understand what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not talking about the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. That's not what I'm talking about. And if you are concerned about the two parties, well, I'm here, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or not, well, I'm here to tell you that they are both controlled by one and the same people. Okay? There's no difference between the two. This is where another big trick comes in at. All right. Upon the aforesaid successful defeat and subjugation of the rifle, people, the overthrown Moors were forcibly and falsely branded as Negroes, niggers, blacks, coloreds, etc. The Moors, ancient and the de jure law, and their organic and principal great seal government was veiled over by the U.S. democracy imposters, expressed in simple terms. One said that they, the European imposters traded places with the legitimate government. This abridgment of truth, fiction of identity, theft of land, heritage and language brought about an important and opportune time for the socialization criminals to establish a speeding credibility for the colorable enforced introduction of such disassociation words. These fictitious words are crucial social vehicles used to feed the European political created nigger industry and were cleverly used to institutionalize bureaucratic slavery. Herein lies the sorcery. Natured application of using colored legislation instrument being an unconstitutional and seen as ratified. The adaption of the 14th Amendment. This colored, this colored and never properly ratified amendment created the corporate artificial person. The major component in evidence and proof of the artificially, of the artificiality of the 14th Amendment is in fact that they are not and never has being any natural person, such as Negroes, niggers, blacks, etc., attached to the human family. No such human beings exist. However, there are such, there are chattel brands of European-owned corporate property, which are and as decimated and marked by the Negro, nigger, black codes, names, 
are the 1724 black codes, codes of 1724, that is. The greatest dedicated political and social engineering code efforts were put forth to solidify the colorable political acts during the Civil War era. Grand-scale overtaking were initiated to establish color of law, laced with permanent colorable forms of inquisition superiority laws. Crusades initiatives are often guided as martial law, juxtaposed with colorable courts and the birthright stealing. Christian black codes, they are the slave governance codes established by the church in the year 1724 A.D. These became the institutional backbone guidelines and directives for the U.S. sub-government agencies and their quasi-government support systems. The U.S. corporate states, persons adapted various concurring and harmonious forms of these black codes for administrative governance uses against the aboriginal Moors, who the Europeans branded, branded as blacks, colors and Negroes, etc. That's what you have been misclassified as. That's what our people have been misclassified as, as blacks, Negro colors, African Americans, black, uh, and, and people of color. Like I said before, you know, you see uh, a lot of towns in America called Africa towns. I said, if any, any real people from any of these African countries would never call them them towns African towns. They would call them Angola towns, Uganda towns, Ghana towns. That's what they will call them by their nationality, not by the continent. This is what I'm trying to get a lot of our people to understand. You've got a lot of these um, so-called, or, or, or want to call us, but actually they are the culture vultures, which are these so-called Indians I'm talking about. They just will not. They, they just cannot deal with the fact that we are the Aboriginal Indigenous people here, and not them. You have some that will be honest with themselves and be honest with you. They will tell you they don't know who built the mounds and the pyramids in the Americas. They don't know, and some of them know who did it. They know. Our ancestors are the ones that built those pyramids and mounds here. They know. If they're listening, I hope some of them are listening to this show tonight. I want them to hear and listen good. And if you have something to say about it too, my phone number again is 314-644-4425. 314-644-4425. Give me a call. Talk about it. You can get mad and pissed off all you want to. You are not the Aboriginal, Indigenous, Autonomous American. And yes, India is in Southeast Asia, not in the Western Hemisphere. And the India that they are talking about in Southeast Asia is not even India. It's Hindustan. Do your research. Don't take my word for it. Do your own research. And honestly, come back to me. 314-644-4425. 
honestly. Okay. Says here, a founding of the false culture, lechery, legitimate, institutionalized genocide, and pathology are hallmarks of U.S. alien politics, dilatations of true world history, and suppression of true planetary history, with some of the darkest art techniques used for forced dehumanization were cloaked in their deepest and most decadent forms out of the parasitic parasitic and dark side of the carnal realm. Humanity and civilization has come to suffer a long and drawn out bitter sting brought upon the people and the land by anti-civilization culture and vampire-natured people. This and other negative counteractions to civilization was and is the signature of mark or curse as it left that is left upon the natural people and upon the, their lands due to the destructive inquisitionists, crusader colonists from Europe. The conspiring acts have manifested as to purposefully induce present day social, political, spiritual and economic retardation affected upon the Aboriginal and Indigenous civilized societies of North America. Central America, South America, and the islands, the Americana. Thus we can calculate an artificially induced dark period among the natural people and observe that a manipulated state of civilization and regression was made against them, against human progress, education, and prosperity. We calculate this said regression pattern to account of terms of actual lost progress for the civilized world to a degree or time, value of at least 500 or more years, and so lies for slavery, color of law, historical deception, truth, suppression, human debasement, and, and abuse became the religiously practiced foundation blocks for the, for the makings of the U.S. nigger industry, the economic source and objective subject of the stolen lands that Europeans colorably continue are control. This is the com- this is the commensal's means for their essence. Draining energy, stealing uh, vampirism, which feeds their embezzlement, gaining economic and political powers. In order to solidify the occupational Europeans' iron hand grip on the lands and the resources of the fallen Moors, cursed branded as Negroes, as noted earlier within these texts. That the European colonial occupiers of North America devised a method of land, history, and law disassociation through the misuse of words in the language. Thus, the advent of contemporary connotations, most specifically the art form used, was and is to connotatively layer the original and true meanings of certain words as used scientifically in law and within common social culture. None are original, additional connotation meanings attached to Negro have caused such negative social adjustments amongst and towards the state's wars as to render them self-contradictive. This has proven most effective for negative social engineering. A social existing standard example of using word disassociation is the misapplication of the words Negro and Black. Observe the following. 
The word Negro and the word black are synonymous meaning, the same thing. Didn't I tell you that earlier during this discussion? Didn't I tell you that earlier during this lecture? Didn't I tell you that earlier during this lecture? What did I tell you? I'm going to read this over again. The word Negro and the word black are synonymous meaning the same thing. Negro is Latin for black. Black is English or uh, English for Negro. What did I tell you earlier? Okay. Okay. The so the the, the scientific derived meanings of for black or Negro or or in noun or an adjective reference to both organic and social meanings. The following are examples. Representing to give the reader an overview of the Negro use application, social and organic, the words black and Negro. So, like I say again, and I say it again, when you're talking about black power, black power, black power, you saying Negro power, Negro power, Negro power. When you hear one of our sisters talking about, uh, the power of the black woman, what she is saying, the power of the Negro woman. Neither terms has no power. Both terms are dead. You cut upon calling yourself a dead people. So when the police hunt you down and shoot you down in the middle of the streets, what would uh, what do you need with justice? You don't exist. Do a mannequin need justice? Or a dummy need justice? No. And this is how they see you in the eyes of the law. This is how you are viewed in the eyes of the law. They don't actually see you at all. Okay, let me move along here. The organic and geographical origins of Negro, black. The institutionalized and written down, down religious dogma and the political agenda inherited in the church, black codes, directives, confirms that these codes as being a vital, vital, vitally important component part of the U.S. educational system. The antisocial misplacement of Negro and black seen as a legitimate human identity has been commercially solidified. Truth and knowledge confirmed by the history of the word and as acknowledged by the families of nations resonates that Negro and blacks were not and are not and never have been a part of the human family nor as such adjectives applicable to the natural peoples as being a part of the human family. Now what is this I just read to you you, uh, uh, that people who are listening to this show did not understand. Hmm? Okay. The Negro and Black Appalachians as fictional, infused with social, political, and legal jargon, and was and is only legitimate as tags or brands in regard to European-owned designated chattel property. Being the subjects of commerce and trade, such subjects are absent of the benefits of moral light or goodness and are denied 
the protection powers of the uh, polity of evil government, etc. Thus the tax Negro black concurs with and legally categorized with the social and political term civil letter mortus, meaning dead in the eyes of the law. The turbid Negro status thus established in a society that such subjects are disabled to bring any de jure action as he or she it is extra legal mortus. Extra legal mortus is Latin and of the old father and jurisprudence terminology and phraseology, which means he or she is out of law and is placed out of the law. Such socially Christian motives are bankrupt and, and as it were, or civilly dead. You see, um, remember the time when the uh, uh, our people were complaining about the military uh, classifying our people as Negro. They want to be called black, you know, or African American. Neither one of these, neither one of these terms, neither one of these terms, neither these one of these terms. Or who they are. Some of them, when you call them a nigger, Negro, they be wanting to fight you. That goes to show you how sleep our people really are. Our people really, really, really asleep. They don't have sense enough, or have done any research enough, or don't read enough that know, know that when they call you a nigger, Negro. They're saying black. We have a lot of these so-called conscious people on certain shows on YouTube talking about black power, black power. Black. I'm black. I'm, I'm Negro. I'm Negro. That's what they're saying. We have the birthrights conscious moors. We as conscious moors, being the true aboriginal and ancient owl Moroccans, Americans take this time to make note of the truth about the origin of Negro and explain the social, the legal engineering, the use of the words Negro, black. We conscious moors are also principally morally and civilly bound to reveal to the masses of the nation these suppressed facts, these truths are being exposed to foster social peace and to actuate historical and nomenclature correctives. This is some of the truths that we have to learn about ourselves and about our history and who we are. It's a shame that a lot of people, a lot of our people, don't even know the difference. I, sometimes I do this as an experiment when I go out and about amongst our people. Sometimes I would say, "What's up, Negro?" And a lot of them will be highly offended. Highly offended. All I'm saying is, "What's up, Black?" And the Latin word. That's all I said. A lot of them get to this place where they really want to whip your behind. 
Because to them, you call them a very, very, very bad word, which, uh, which it is. How many people know that uh, there are uh, that there are more? Not too many. You'd be surprised, man. A lot of people don't really. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of people believe that they're African Americans, uh, or or they believe that they're uh, 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 black and people of color. You hear it every day on television, all day long. Me, I don't watch television all day long, but I know that's what you hear. I don't hardly watch television that much. You got a lot of the programs even on YouTube. They still go along with that color game. That people are crayons and crayolas. That people are adjectives. You go, you can go to your bed. I think I, I mentioned this the last block talk. I, I have uh, uh, the last block talk uh, last week. I think I mentioned that, uh, but I, I don't remember quite. But I'm gonna say it again. You can go to your universities. And to your most popular universities, our most popular so-called black universities, such as Howard University, whatever have what have you, and you will ask them, even some amongst your PhD degrees or BA degrees, and you ask our Asiatic people, what is your nationality? What is your nationality? And the vast majority of them can even tell you. They say, uh, my nationality is black. My nationality is African American. Uh, my nation—I'm I'm a Muslim. I'm a Christian. Jehovah's Witness. A Hebrew Israelite. Some of them don't know what actually what you're talking about when you ask them. What is their nationality? They really don't. And these are supposed to be some of our best educated people. To be made, mentioned one time, those sorcerers had done a fantastic job. I say they've done a masterful job. A lot of people, uh, when you tell them, again, when you tell them that uh, we had once enslaved so-called white people, they won't even want to believe you because that's how much they know about their own history. When you talk about uh, the Barbary Corsairs or the Barbary Pirates that seize a lot of these European ships, on the high seas, they think you're talking about uh, the pirates that they see on the movies. And certain stories. They're talking about 
us. People know that the Corvette's cars that they use in the Shriners Parade, they are mocking the Corvette's ships that our Moorish ancestors used when we were uh, when we were seizing their European ships. They always talk about treaties. The European broke so many treaties. The European broke so many treaties. Well, our people broke treaties too. They're not the only ones that broke treaties. We broke treaties too. Because a lot of these Europeans were paying, countries were paying tribute payments to the more nations. Only time when a country pay tribute payments to another country, that means the country that paying the tribute uh, payments is a defeated nation. You hear me? The only country that pays tribute payments are defeated nations. And when they paid the tribute payments to the Moor nations, guess what? Sometimes they will still steal their ships. Take this, uh, whatever goods they have on, on the ships, including the slaves, including their European slaves. I'm going to give you one example here. Here's something from the uh, Abdullah Bey's book. Moors and Masonry. It says here, the Moors formed alliances against Spain and England, France and the Netherlands during the 1500s, 1600s, and 1700s. The Sa'adi'in dynasty of the Moroccan Empire aided the Moors in reorganization. The Moors gained control of the high seas under Sa'adi'in dynasty. The Sa'adain dynasty, 1554-1659. Diplomatic relations between Morocco and England. Political and diplomatic links between the Moroccan Empire and the England and England during the formation of English colonies in North America. Because I see a lot of people don't know, this here is the Moroccan Empire that is known as America today. The Morocco over there is the Moroccan kingdom. I explained that to you many times on the blog talk show, the difference between the two. Those of you that are listening to this show regularly, regularly every Wednesday, know what I'm talking about. Like I said before, 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 and again, when Hillary Clinton was saying that Moroccans were at the very beginning of the U.S. beginning, when Morocco recognized the United States as a sovereign nation, was the first country to recognize. Well, Morocco won the independent country until 1956. It gained its independence. From the French, so a country that's under bondage, as under under uh, another sovereign state, 
cannot have treaties or cannot make treaties. No, it cannot. So which Morocco was uh, Hillary Clinton talking about? She was talking about the Moroccan here, the Moroccan Empire. Let me, I'm not going to go into any more further into this because I have discussed this many times before. All right? So I'm going to move along here. Number one, the tribute treaties between the Moroccan Empire and England prote- protected the English colonies from Moorish attacks. Number two, England had paid annual tri- tribute to Morocco for the protection of her ships, merchants, and colonies for immunity from Moorish attacks and seizure. Three, in 1776, English colonies in Morocco uh, slash America were no longer protected under tribute treaties with Morocco. Four, European powers paid hefty tributes to the Moroccan Empire in exchange for peace treaties with the agreement of ending Moorish attacks on European trading and naval ships. Number five, and to the Declaration of Independence in 1776, English treaties with the Moroccan Empire protected the English colony ships from being seized by Moroccans slash Moors. Number six, in 1777, Morocco became the first country to recognize the United States. 1777, the Morocco and Africa didn't exist as a nation. So therefore, they could not recognize anyone. as a sovereign entity. So you know you know where I'm going with this, so I don't have to explain. Like I said, I explained to you in previous blog talk shows before. You know what I'm talking about, okay? Calendar of state papers, foreign Elizabeth, 1558-1589, hereafter. They say it's there 23, 23 volumes. It says here, 23 volumes. All these are papers and documents that our brother Abdullah Ibn Mosi Bay has collected from the archi- from the London archives from London, England. He has done thorough, thorough, thorough research on this matter. What I'm talking about on this very subject. So I have a lot to back up what I'm talking about. Okay, it says there, the state papers online is published in four parts. Part one, the tutors of Henry VIII to Elizabeth I, 1509-1603. All these are documented. All these papers have been documented. These are a list of sources where he got information from. The publication of Navy records from Social, Volume, uh, Volumes, London, uh, NRS state papers online. The government of Britain, 1509-1714, is preserved in the state in the state paper department of Her Majesty's Public Record Office. This is where he got that informa- information from. Proof, as proof, 
that at one time we had power over them. But you're never uh, uh, here taught in your schools. Nope, you will not. Here we go again. King James of England gave Royal Land Grant charter to the Virginia Company of London, Virginia Company, and the Virginia Company of Plymouth, Plymouth Company in 1606. As I explained to you earlier, that Virginia was the Virginia Company. And Jamestown was uh, uh, named after the King James I of England. Virginia is named after Queen Elizabeth, the Virgin Queen. Virgin, Virginia. That's where Virginia comes from. The King James First Royal Proclamation concerning the Moorish seizing of English ships and the captives of English merchants and sailors. Our ancestors was cutting up, wasn't they? They were cutting up. But that's what in the Shriners Parade, back again to the Corvette cars, they they were they were uh, they were uh, uh, given a history replica or a, a mocking of they were telling the people why they were driving those little bitty Corvette cars because they were they were supposed to be the Corvette ships that the Moors were used. But they were fast. They were fast riding ships. And they would use these ships to seize a lot of those English ships. They even go so far as going to the English shores, kidnapping or kidnapping a lot of those English families from the rest of their family members, going in at nighttime, raiding English towns. Raiding their towns, kidnapping children and and the women and the men as well from those towns. Yes, our ancestors done that. Yeah, we done that. Mm-hmm. It says here the Moors had seized four hundred and sixty-six English. Vessels between 1609 and 1616. Read it again. The Moors had seized 466 English vessels between 1609 and 1616. They could cut me off at any time now because I'm running late, but I'm going to keep on reading. Okay? So if they sign the problem, you don't hear me no more. That's what happened. Okay? Because I'm running over time. says here, by February 1619, the pre- the, the Privy Council reported that the pirates of Algiers and Tunis have grown so strong that in a few years they have taken 300 ships and imprisoned many hundred persons. The hundreds were specified. Two years later, one mention was made of a 1,000 English captives in Algiers. A figure Sir Thomas Rowe repeated Never mounted British captives from the Mediterranean to the Atlantic, 1563 to 1760. 
After much deliberation about the need to suppress piracy, King James agreed to send his fleet in 1620 under Robert Mansell, a pardoned pirate, a pardoned pirate to, to ransom Britons and to attack the harbor. The merchant adventurer had agreed in February 1619 to pay 20000 per annual for two years to be used for suppression of pirates. Never wanted British captives from the Mediterranean to the Atlantic, 1563 to 1760. John Hansen made eight voyages to Morocco in effort to maintain good relationships with Morocco. From 1610 to 1634, he worked to encourage trade free Eng- to free English captives and to negotiate treaties and alliances. To a large extent, Harrison was unsuccessful. Hmm. Well, remember, the Moors had seized 466 English vessels between 1609 and 1616. They have broken treaties. They even when the even when the English paid them the ransom and the tribute payments, they would seize these ships anyway. Sometimes. No, all of our people, all of our ancestors, were not benevolent people. I want to get that into your heads. Yes, our ancestors did a lot of dirt, too, to other people. There are a lot of people... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Still on this thing about the black uh, history month or so-called black history month. Uh, they don't never want to tell the true history of our people. They always want to go back to slavery. And that's not what you call, uh, that is true black history when you're dealing with slavery. You're not talking about uh, the aboriginal or the indigenous history of our people. This they never touch on. And this they never want us to touch on. They don't want the truth. They have a pro- too much of a problem with dealing with the truth. But anyway, I'm getting ready to sound off. Uh, I hope uh thing I said tonight was very informative to you and everything. I always wish to inform my people on what's going on and try to clear up some of the nonsense that's going on out here. Okay? And as I say to you, uh, I hope I did some good tonight. And as I say, as always, which means peace, family. Good night and peace. I'm out.